0: A Podcast one production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suter. Every week we break down for you some specific issue in relation to world politics a drama that is going on somewhere or a complex issue, and Keith breaks it right down. There is no one better. Three doctorates in international politics, to be specific. And he's also renowned on the media front across Australia for being a commentator on all sorts of issues as well and has done for a number of years. So, Keith, today we're talking Afghanistan and how the US is losing in Afghanistan. Like, I guess... <sighs> We want to get to the crux of this because it has been around for a while. Everyone has been invested in this war at some point in the members of the public because it has been such a visible war and then it's become forgotten at certain points but there it is still bubbling away and guess what? We ain't going to win it and I say we because we were involved with it for a long time. What's the state of affairs now?
1: Well, this has been provoked by a series of articles that are appearing at the moment in um, a Washington Post, a mountain of previously secret documents that have been showing that the Pentagon has been intentionally lying for years about the progress that it was making with its war in Afghanistan. So the war in Afghanistan began after 9-11 in 2001. The United States, with some allies, went into Afghanistan to get Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda. They fled out of Afghanistan and bin Laden spent his retirement in Pakistan, just down the road from a military academy. Meanwhile, the United States and its allies, including Australia, as we speak, we have 300 Australian troops risking their life in Afghanistan. So the American state, it's now the longest war in American history. It's run on for 18 years. And the U.S. Congress established an agency to work out what is going on in Afghanistan. So it's called SIGAR, which is a Special Investigation uh, Unit for Afghanistan Reconstruction. In other words, Congress wanted to say, look, we've spent so much money and we've had 2,300 American soldiers killed there. The actual number of Americans is 5,000. But the Pentagon now disguises deaths because they are civilian contractors and therefore don't get included in the military statistics. So the official figure of Americans killed, 2,300, the real figure is closer to 5,000. And so this investigations unit carried out an investigation about how is it going in Afghanistan? They've, They've poured trillions of dollars into Afghanistan, they've lost American lives, and they wanted to know what exactly has been achieved. And so this investigations unit decided to go in and, as per its charter and investigate what was happening. And John Sopko, who's the head of this federal agency, said the American people have been consistently lied to. So America invaded in two thousand and one, took in allies with it. NATO has made this the first time ever that it's used its provision whereby an attack on one is an attack on all. So this is a NATO operation. You've got the Americans involved as Americans. You've got NATO involved. And then you've got a country like Australia, which is not a member of NATO.
0: It's but we other... seem to get dragged into everything, <laughs> We get dragged to be into honest. everything,
1: in which the Americans get involved. And the whole thing has been a disaster. Began under George Bush Jr., continued under Barack Obama, and has continued under President Trump. And basically, this um, investigation carried out by John Sopko has looked at what has gone wrong in Afghanistan. So the Americans went in with their allies with a specific target. They wanted to get bin Laden. But bin Laden fled the country. Almost as quickly as they arrived, he got out and then lived in retirement in Pakistan. Meanwhile, the Americans didn't know quite what they were doing there. And that comes out all the way through. In this report in the Washington Post, Uh, We were devoid of a fundamental understanding of Afghanistan. We didn't know what we were doing. In other words, they went into a country which they didn't understand, which has echoes of Vietnam. I was in Vietnam during the war. And what is intriguing is that uh, in Vietnam they went into a country whose culture they didn't understand. Mm. And they've now gone and done the same in Afghanistan and Iraq. What are we trying to do here? We didn't have the foggiest notion of what we were undertaking. These are generals and other senior people being interviewed, knowing or thinking that their comments would never come to light. This is a confidential report. And yet after three years of Freedom of Information requests, the document is now in the public domain, thanks to the Washington Post. It's
0: quite extraordinary. And also, Keith, I mean, when you go back to the reason they went into Afghanistan, they literally went in because of 9-11 and went, we need to be seen to be doing something to the American public, so we need to be seen to be looking for Osama bin Laden. That's right. right. That's yep. all it was.
1: That's all it was.
0: And there's, and there's nothing beyond that. So they spent well, all that time there yep, looking for a man who was in Pakistan.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's a good way of summing it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We, we we thought that he might have been in the border territory between Afghanistan and Pakistan, but the basic problem, but in the, in fact, he was just living down the road from the equivalent of their, of their Royal Military Academy in, in Duntroon. So it was just quite bizarre in the case of bin Laden. But bin, remember, bin Laden's attack was to draw the Americans into Afghanistan and get them to be bogged down in Afghanistan. No one has ever won in Afghanistan. Uh, the young Winston Churchill in the 1890s uh, was there and he said trying to capture or kill an Afghani is like jumping into a river and trying to catch a fish with your bare hands. That was a young Winston Churchill in the 1890s. That's
0: a, okay. And then still no one learnt, and no one learned th- from history either that you're not going to win in Afghanistan because exactly. they always win. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're very hospitable. You know, people will have gone to Afghanistan. I think your mother did. Yes. In a combi van, and no doubt may have sampled some of the local product.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, the Afghanis have been very hospitable, but if they think you're there to occupy the country, they turn nasty.
0: So then, when um, it, with this report, uh, in terms of what the I guess the operation was based on, what people like soldiers, American soldiers would have their understanding would have been of what they what they were doing there. Do we hear from other people below the generals about what they believed their mission was, Keith, or is it mainly the top end of the, or of, of the army that we're, we're hearing from in this report?
1: It's the army, but also aid agencies. So, but it is senior people um, who are speaking to the uh, Special Investigator General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, (SIGAR). So that's been in operation for a decade. They were, the Congress was very worried about waste and fraud in the war zone. With every good reason. So Congress made a good decision to create this Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction because clearly this report brings out that they were receiving far more money than they could spend. So they were bribing everybody, asking them not to fight Americans, so just giving them money, which ultimately goes back into the hands of the terrorists. So the Americans were financing the terrorists. The Americans had to be seen for the benefit of taxpayers that they were fighting the war. So they were spending money hand over fist and spending it badly. So Seagar was created just to monitor this. It monitored the waste, but it didn't stop it. The waste and fraud have continued. President Eisenhower used to warn about the military-industrial complex. In other words, the linkage between military interests and civilian contractors. And the fact that civilian contractors and the military would benefit a great deal from continuing with a high level of military expenditure. That's not the norm in American politics. That's a new idea in American politics, to spend so much money on the military. And we see in this Afghanistan report the vindication of President Eisenhower's warning that you've simply got too much money flying into Afghanistan and everybody's being corrupted by it, and yet no progress is really being made. Now, Donald Trump, when he was campaigning in 2016, promised to get out of Afghanistan. The problem is no American president can afford to be seen to lose a war. So although he was promising to get out of Afghanistan, here he is three years into his time in office, he still hasn't pulled out of the war. Um, He would love to do so. He'd love to have it done by November of next year, If the Americans were to pull out, it would mean the end of American involvement, but not the end of the war in Afghanistan. That war won't end until the Taliban take over control in Kabul once again.
0: So will you mean this will become a civil war?
1: Well, it is a civil war now with the Americans backing one side against the other and it'll continue until the Taliban win out because the government in Afghanistan is basically a government around Kabul, which is the capital. Um, So much of the countryside is now held by guerrillas, the terrorists of one sort or another.
0: This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Suda. We're talking about how the US has failed abysmally in Afghanistan. I'm pretty sure nothing has been accomplished at all out of that war, right?
1: Well, if you're a shareholder in Halliburton, you'd say it's been a great war, thank you very much. So, yes, it depends on who you, you mean.
0: I mean, thousands of lives lost for what specifically? Now, an, an issue that, you know, something that, a mission that no one understood, Keith, as we talked yep. about this report that is a, has had generals from the army interviewed, leads of aid agencies. So what do they think have been the triumphs of the, of the war, if there are indeed any?
1: Um, well, the government in Kabul has remained in power, Uh, I suppose that is an achievement. And you've been able to introduce some Afghanis to an alternative way of life rather than the barbaric medieval Islamic society which they used to have. But overall, you'd have to say for a trillion dollars, it's been a disaster.
0: I mean, you probably could say more girls have been educated. You could look at those micro sort of issues.
1: Sure, but then if if the Taliban come back into control, they're going to get punished for being educated. The tragedy is that you've raised their expectations and they will be dashed by the Taliban returning to power. So when when the military in Afghanistan got going, you had a number of different agendas. So one was to say, we want to have regime change. In other words, we want to create a completely new society in Afghanistan. Remember, it was going to become a flourishing democracy. That failed. Another campaign would be to eradicate poppies. Now, Before 9-11, the Taliban government that was in control in Afghanistan, being fundamentalist Muslim, disapproved of of alcohol and opium. So they received funding from the United States Drug Enforcement Agency to restrict the growing of poppies. Then, when you get the Americans invading in 9-11 and the Taliban moved out of power, pushed out of power, they then change their attitude towards the growing of poppies because growing poppies is a way of making money. Uh, And so although people like myself might talk about, oh, it'd be great value in growing potatoes in that soil, you actually get more money from opium growing poppies than you're going to get from growing potatoes. So we have Afghanistan back as being a major supplier of poppies, illegal poppies. Australia, by the way, is one of the largest... Legal suppliers of opium to the world market. So if you go down to Tasmania, you're able to drive through fields growing the poppies quite legally. But don't forget, as you drive along, you're being monitored. You may not know it, but people are keeping an eye on you. So if you feel tempted to sort of start doing a bit of harvesting yourself, <laughs> you might get into trouble. I don't even, I don't want you to get locked up. So Australia, uh, we, we need opium in this world. It's a painkiller. We need it. So Australia has a license to grow the stuff on, on the island of Tasmania. In Afghanistan, it's being grown for narcotic purposes, not for medicinal purposes, but for uh, people getting market. high, the black market. And the NATO forces, the US forces, have tried to eradicate poppies. But, of course, for ordinary Afghanis, that's their way of earning a living. And so they're saying, you're you're going to make me unemployed, I'm going to remain in poverty because I can't grow poppies.
0: And then the Taliban, who will most likely, as you say, take over, what's their attitude towards poppies and the drug trade?
1: Well, when they were in power, as strict Muslims, they were opposed to opium, right? So they closed it down and the US government paid them to keep it closed down. 9-11 comes along, the United States invades Afghanistan, Taliban are driven out of control and they then rearrange their attitude on on poppies because they can see that growing poppy will be a way of financing their campaign. Now, once they take over control again in Kabul, will they go back to the old days um, of saying no more growing of poppies? In which case, will the Americans say, okay, we'll pay you for not growing the (laughs) poppies?
0: But then you also think the um, Taliban, if they do gain power again, will have a bit of PR, you know, they have a bit of campaign to do. So you'd think they'd want to do anything they can to keep those rural communities on site as Absolutely. well.
1: Absolutely, although don't forget that these are brutal people, mm. uh, far more so than the Western occupying forces. So uh, if they, you remember, they went around capturing TV sets, smashing them and hanging them from trees because they don't approve of music, they don't approve of men shaving their beards. Oh, God. They don't approve of television. So it's going to be pretty tough, I think. And then, you know, if you're someone who's, who's lost a next of kin like the Americans, you'd be wondering, you know, did they die in vain? The answer is yes. Mm. And you were lied to because successive presidents kept saying we are actually winning there. But, in fact, it just shows you shouldn't take the word of generals. General Petraeus is perhaps the most notorious example. He's seen as this guru of counterinsurgency and very highly respected by fellow American generals. But, in fact, he's been playing a giant con trick because the war has not gone well for the Americans, counterinsurgency has not worked, but then no-one has beaten Afghanistan. You have to go back to Alexander the Great. (laughs) No-one has won. The British tried three times there. I can't blame the Americans for behaving badly in Afghanistan. It was their first time. The British, they've tried two previous occasions to take the country over. So this is their third tour of duty and still don't understand the nature of the war in which they're engaged.
0: So where to from here then Keith? What, well, I mean how they're going to how will they end this war and get out of it scot free in terms of messaging?
1: Donald Trump is conducting secret negotiations with representatives of the Taliban in the Middle East and he would like to pull out before November of next year before the election mm. so he's able to say I brought peace to Afghanistan. Mm. He wouldn't have brought peace to Afghanistan, but he would have got the Americans out. Mm. So that's obviously what he's going to be working towards. But to his credit, he was critical of the American involvement in Afghanistan in 2016. Mm. The problem is once he got into power, the deep state prevented him from withdrawing from Afghanistan. Because so you've got much. too much money being yeah. made. You know, the Halliburtons of this world, the Pentagon, generals who get promoted as a result of their work in Afghanistan, you've got an awful inertia sort of driving the war in Afghanistan, even though it got so little show for it. Nonetheless, you've got so much that people benefit. Certain people benefit from it.
0: Yeah. Well, as always, let's watch this space.
1: And particularly read the documents that are available on the Washington Post website. There's the scoop of the year, I think, in terms of American journalism.
0: This has been Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.